We're back. Oh yeah, we're back. Yeah, we're back. We're back. Yo, we're back. so Deshaun, can I please swear one time? No, 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 no. Emad, listen, we talked about this. You put me on probation. I just I I slipped up on the last one, but but just the one. Emad, we talked about this. No swearing allowed on the podcast. So am I on probation? Not even probation. You're just banned from any use. But it's the second episode. It's the second you episode. Can't, don't be that guy. No, but we got we to gotta set the standards from now yeah. rather than later. You see what I'm saying? But anyways, welcome to episode two of the Persevere podcast. Episode two. Yep. We're building. Thank you for listening. My name is Deshaun Stevens, And I'm Emad. And we'd like to welcome you back for another round of sports talk, sports conversation. Hope you enjoy. It's gonna be better than the first episode. I put it on. Oh yeah, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. I got one question for you. Where were we last Tuesday? I went to I went to Jurassic Park. You went to Jurassic Park? Yeah, I did. No way! I went to Jurassic Park too. Yo, you were there? I was there, bro. Yo, what? Of course, I went with you. <laughs> so, the Persevere team decided to go to Jurassic Park to start the NBA season. We wanted to be there to see the banner go up. You know, we were hoping we'd win tickets, but we didn't win any tickets. But it's okay because we were there. I saw um, you in a jersey though. You're not going to talk about the jersey. I ain't going to talk about the jersey. Okay. Jerseys. <laughs> oh. I ain't going to talk about them. But, um, yeah, the Persevere team went to Jurassic Park um, because we wanted to really just see that banner go up. We wanted to see the ring ceremony. We just wanted to be there for the atmosphere. Um, so, hopefully, the Raptors make the playoffs again this year. Which of course they, they will. They will. They will. And hopefully, this summer, you can join us in Jurassic for the playoffs. And hopefully, there'll be a long playoff run. So, you know, you'll have multiple opportunities to join us. But, Emad, let's talk Raptors. Raptors are looking. How do you think they're looking? I mean, the Raptors. Like I, they don't have the the best player anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're still balling. You know, the Siakam, Freddie, OG, Kyle Lowry. Let's not talk about that that Gasol guy. But you still got the core, and there's they're they're growing. Like I've, I think what Siakam and Freddie scored the most points in an opener for the Raptors. Yeah. Big. Um, they combined for 68. Both had 34. Um, to be honest, when I look at the Raptors, you really see them taking on their new identity. Um, the biggest question coming into this season was, oh, what are we going to do to make up for Kawhi's absence? What are we going to make up for Kawhi's absence? This is what we're going to do. We're going to play defense. And the Raptors are playing defense to win games. And I love that. Um, we have a young team, like despite having a few vets in, in Larry, Ibaka, and Gasol, despite those three, those three older players, we do have a young athletic team, right? And the fact of the matter is we have a young athletic team that loves to play defense. All right, so right now, of course, when you have our vets, when we look at our vets, Gasol and Ibaka are two guys that made their names off defense. And Kyle Lowry is a scrappy guy. He, he's really made a reputation for himself on the defensive end. Um, but when you look at guys like OG, OG, before he got injured last year, was a premier defender. Um, when you look at uh, Pascal Siakam, He's made in for himself off defense, right? Fred Van Vliet, another guy that has that scrappy attitude that's willing to get the job done, you know, on, on the defensive end. 
Um, and when you look at some of our bench guys, I mean, Chris Boucher, a former Defensive Player of the Year in the G League, as well as MVP, but Defensive Player of the Year in the G League, who contributes just to the defensive identity that we got going on. And if you want to see the Raptors, what their defensive potential is, just look at that Chicago game on the weekend and look at how we dominated, right, when it comes to the defensive end. Everything was blocked. Everything was blocked. You had Ibaka turning back the clock. You had Pascal turning it back to the playoffs. You had Chris Boucher making a name for himself off the bench. This is going to be a defensive team this year, and I'm just excited to see how far this defense can go. When can we put the league on notice? Because I don't know who, why the league is not respecting. Maybe the Celtics do, as they say. But can can people respect the Raptors? You know what? The, people why, the reason why people don't respect the Raptors, aside from just the stigma that the Raptors have as a Canadian sports team, is because no one knows what the Raptors are going to be um, come playoff time, right? The Raptors, How many times do they have to make a playoff run without Kawhi to say we're legit? Yeah, but here's the thing. What you see now is not what you're going to see come March and April. The, the the general consensus around the league is that the Raptors are going to trade away the championship court. They're going to get rid of Lowry. They're going to get rid of Gasol and Ibaka. There's going to be some movement there because um, Masai Ujiri just doesn't want to lose them for nothing. So you don't know what the Raptors are going to be come playoff time. They could be a lot better than they are now, or they could be a lot worse than they are now, right? But it's it's time will tell. With Lowry signing that one-year extension, it makes them a lot more attractive to, to trade in. Ibaka, if he keeps playing the way he is, people are going to want to pick him up because he, he's, he's a premier defender now. Gasol... <laughs> Let's uh, put a cap on that. I don't know about that guy, but long story short, the Raptors are doing good. Um, they're not going to be that exciting offensive team that we've seen in the last two, three years. I mean, I saw the game yesterday. Freddie dropped a man. Freddie dropped a man. Pull it back, step back. To be honest, Bam. Freddie's grown up, and uh, it's just so happy to see. Like I'm happy to see that he's grown up, and he's really coming into his own. He's a shot maker. Like like uh, Kevin Durant said, he's a dog, and he's proven it now on the court, and now he has that confidence, and confidence is the most dangerous thing. So I look forward to seeing what the Raptors are going to become over the, the course of the year. So, Imad, let's look at the rest of the league. Mm. All right? Speaking of the Raptors, speaking of losing Kawhi, how's Kawhi doing now? He's a baller. He's a baller. Can Best we, player in L.A. Can we please, for a second... Just understand what the Clippers are doing, and they have not even gotten back Paul George yet. Yeah, I mean Patrick Beverly speaking with his chest out, kind of, kind of hypocritical. What do you mean hypocritical? What was the comment that he said about Kevin Durant or said about the Warriors? Yes, he said that um, basically they had been cheating, and now that Kevin Durant's gone, it's going to be back to the old ways. He said y'all cheated for a long time, now it's back to reality. I just want to give Patrick Beverly a mirror. A mirror? A mirror, because Kawhi was on the Raptors last year. Kawhi was the finals MVP. Yep. Where did Kawhi go? To the Clippers. To the Clippers. Yep. Isn't that a cheat code? You know isn't what? that isn't that how what they what the Warriors did? They took the best player in the in the world and put them on their team? Yeah. And um and the thing is with Patrick Beverly, I know that coming out of last year, I know he has that built up confidence because remember they brought the Warriors to six last year yeah with KD right so I know coming out of last year Patrick Beverly when it came to his resume against the Warriors he was already pretty happy with it and he was already pretty confident in it so but we now, can't say it's a cheat code when you just do the exact same thing yep. like I hate hypocrites I had to drop him for my fantasy team I was like no we're not doing this I mean you know yeah like to have the best player in the world 
and then to have someone who can possibly be an MVP candidate, in, obviously yeah. in recent years, just waiting in the wings, right? Um, you, you can't talk, Patrick Beverly. You can't talk, man. Come on. I know, you, I know you're a dog, and I know you love to talk, and I know your game is built off of self-confidence and, and all that stuff, but, man, there's sometimes you just can't talk, man. And that was, that was an unnecessary comment. You know, just win the game, do what you got to do, shut Steph Curry down. He had a great game. He had a great game. He forced Curry to turn the ball over. over I mean, five Curry times. is not playing like how we expect him to play now that he's all alone. You know what? I mean, he has DJ and De- D'Angelo Show. Did you hear what um, Charles Barkley said the other day about the Warriors? No. What did he say? He said that, well, he was having an interview with Clay Thompson on TNT, and um, Clay Thompson said that he believes the Warriors' championship window will be open for the next five to six years. Charles Barkley said, no, you guys cannot score enough. I don't see no, you making the playoffs. They can't. So what do you think? Do you think the Warriors are – do you think Chuck was right about that? I think the Warriors are a little bit washed up their uh, past three years. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's going on with Steph Curry right now. He's not doing Steph Curry things. Mm-hmm. He has yet to score 30 this year. Yep. Um, I know it's been early, but, like, Steph, that's 10 shots for you, you know? And he doesn't have the support that we you can't win a game with Marcus, Marquise Chris. Glenn Robinson, like you're not winning. That's barely a playoff team. Absolutely. I don't know if they're making the playoffs. I'll be real with you. Um, yeah, to see, <laughs> first of all, to see what uh, OKC did to the Warriors uh, this weekend. Wow. Um, it really just, it does go to show right now the Warriors are going through hard times. Um, it was their first 0-2 start in 10 years since 2009 season. Yeah, Steve Kerr sounds defeated. It, and yeah. It's just, I think that team needs some type of reboot, and that's why it just goes to show they will make movements at the trade deadline, right? Um, I'm sticking back to my original theory. Listen, if D'Angelo Russell's not working out, they will get rid of him, right? They will get rid of him, and they're going to get rid of him for a big. And I'm telling you right now. Whoa, 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 whoa. I said it before on the last podcast. (laughs) I said it before on the last episode, and I'm going to say it again. If D'Angelo Russell's not working out, because they can't trade him until December, right? So he he basically has a a two-and-a-half-month trial but what what right? jersey is he gonna wear Pat McCall has that number one already no sorry Patrick McCall has more respect in Toronto okay? that's what I'm saying D'Angelo Russell will get what he can take but listen to me I truly do believe if things are not working out the Warriors will pull the plug on D'Angelo Russell and they will send him somewhere for a big and I'm telling you right now well Marcus Saul's not making a good case for himself right now but Serge Ibaka is making a very good case for himself right now that's the pick yeah that's what I'm saying Serge Ibaka and a first or even a second, because if DeAndre Russell's playing the way he's playing right now, he's not even worth a first, right? I mean, he scored the first 10 points. That was cute. In, in uh, the new stadium. That was cute. Really. That was cute. Well, hey, Kawhi, Kawhi shut down the Oracle Arena in, with Toronto, and then he ruined the opening of the Chase Center with the Clippers. Um, so I think that was pretty poetic this weekend. But it just goes to show that Kawhi has the Warriors number, and I think really and truly the league might have the Warriors number. I mean, it looks like it looks like Well, they don't, have, they don't have a tandem like the rest of the league. You're right. They don't have that. They don't have a duo. They don't have a, 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 a prominent duo, you know, that they can put on the court. That's what's really popular in the league right now. So, well, what do you think the premier duos are in the league right now? What are you looking at? I mean, my favorite duo, because Russell's, Russell Westbrook's my favorite player, is Harden and Westbrook. Harden and they're Westbrook. Just, they're just fun to watch. It's like, it's kind of weird seeing Westbrook, a, a guy that is, you know, go get the ball. Mm-hmm. And so you see them in transition. Every all the the rest of the Rockets 
just spread out on the perimeter and you just see Westbrook with a clear lane. And he and he plays with pace and he plays, you know, still like a dog like he always did. Absolutely. I see it happening. You know like, what? I see it working. I uh I really just question. <laughs> I still question to this day why people thought it was a bad move for the Rockets to trade for Russell Westbrook. I still wonder to this day why people even criticized Russell Westbrook because coming to this summer. Because they don't like that loud personality. And but hey, listen, at the end of the day, he's a dog, he's a baller, he's a former MVP. And at the end of the day, he's a guy that can still give you multiple triple doubles. And he right? is. And he is. Um so the fact that people look down on Russell Westbrook as someone that, oh, can't win a championship, that it's ridiculous to me. It's ridiculous to me. There's some guys in this league that there's some guys in the history of the league that went their entire career without winning a championship. Some guys that took them fifteen years to reach to reach an NBA finals alone. Um, the fact that Russell Westbrook's been in the league for was it eleven? Eleven years, and because he's never won a ring, he's being looked down upon. Come on, that's ridiculous. I don't want to hear that he's a stat chaser. No, he's not a stat chaser. He's a winner. All right. There's a difference between a stat chaser and a winner. All right. You see. But you know what happens if the Rockets win? Oh, he he bought that ring. He had to join Harden. Yeah, but here's the thing: it wasn't his choice. He was traded there. Right. right? That's the difference. There's a difference. See now, look, buying a ring is is in 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 sports, it's when you go and you made a decision to sign somewhere, right? We look at Kevin Durant, all that stuff. We look at LeBron, right? Those are historical moves that were looked at as buying the ring. But when you're traded somewhere, like, hey, look at Kawhi. I mean, realistically, Kawhi got traded to one of the best teams in the NBA. Yeah. The best team in the NBA, in my opinion, forever. I always think the Raptors were the best team in the NBA during that time, even though they had their playoff struggles against Cleveland. But Kawhi got traded to the best team in the NBA, and he won a ring. But, hey, he never chose to be there, right? He was, he was sent there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Westbrook, of course, maybe like when his agent said, hey, I can pull off a deal to send you to Houston, I'm sure Westbrook didn't say, no, no, don't send me to Houston. I, I'm sure he probably welcomed the idea. I'm sure he probably pushed for the idea. But at the end of the day, it wasn't his choice to go there. I mean, coincidentally, his former teammate and probably one of his best friends plays there, Right. But at the end of the day, it wasn't his choice. So we can't really say he bought the ring. But I mean, listen, so you're going with Westbrook and Harden as your as your favorite duo? As my favorite duo. You know what? I don't think well, my favorite duo, I don't think my favorite duo has yet to even show up in the league yet. I'm really waiting. I'm waiting for Kawhi and Paul George. Right now, my favorite duo is Kawhi and the Clippers defense. That's my favorite. That's my favorite duo in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard That's like and a the Clippers. Group. That's not a duo. No, the Clippers defense. Just the Clippers defense. Right now, I'll probably put Kawhi Leonard and Lou Williams as my favorite duo in the league. Kawhi Leonard, Lou Williams, or Kawhi Leonard, Patrick Beverly. Those are my favorite, my two favorite duos. Favorite duos on the same team. I'll take those. I'll take that duo over LeBron and AD any day. Okay, that duo, I don't know what's going on. It's it's still slowly processing. It seems like LeBron is uh I think he has to get past his hair troubles um before he can before he can figure it out on the court. We liked him without the headband and now he came back. Why? You see, but here's the thing. LeBron said he wanted to turn back the clock. He brought back the headband. He brought back the chalk toss, which gives me nostalgia. He was going to bring back the number 6, didn't work out. Maybe next year, right? But Man, I thought LeBron was bringing, that this, bringing back this stuff because he wanted to turn back the clock and sort of play like he did in his prime. But man, when I look at the... He's still playing well. He's still playing well, but I think he brought back the headband because of his hair. I think he really wants to cover up that hairline. Did you Have you seen the pictures online of his, of his hairline? I don't know what's real and what's not anymore. So I Listen, just like... here's the way to distinguish LeBron's fake hair. Right now, I think it's all fake. All right, I think it's all pasted on. But historically, if you look at pictures of LeBron, especially in his time with Cleveland, 
He had waves. All right. He had waves. <laughs> his waves were not 360. Okay. His waves were not 360 on his head top. All right. If you look at the front of LeBron's head, it, it was a little weird. It was it was weird. It was, it was a little brushy, but there was no waves. It looked like there was no waves there. And then around the rest of his head, there was waves. The way to distinguish what part of LeBron's head is fake compared to real is to see where the waves lie. Where the waves are, it's real. Where the waves aren't, it's fake. Right now, it all looks fake. So you're I'm, doing a wave check. I'm doing a wave <laughs> check. I'm doing a wave check. LeBron. <laughs> LeBron, listen, I know you just filmed Space Jam 2. It's done now, though, okay? You don't need to put on the look anymore. Just get rid of all the hair, all right? We want you bald. You look good bald. You're good. You look good, man. Come on, get rid of it. Focus on basketball, all right? And let, and try to win that chip. I don't think you're going to get to the finals, by the way. I think Clippers are going to stop you, but... Let's go. Come on now. It's game time. No excuses anymore. You got what you wanted. All right? But really and truly, though, on a more serious note, looking at the Lakers, mm. what do you see from the Lakers this year so far? Uh, LeBron and his friends. <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't know. I think I always think it's too early. To, to pass judgment on a team's success, even Absolutely. though like, we basically did for the Warriors. But yep. Even Steve Kerr sounds defeated. But yep. I don't know. With LeBron, it's always like, I don't really believe anything that's going on until a trade deadline comes. Absolutely. Like, even if they go, like, what, they only lose, like, 10 games in the first half of the season, I still don't believe. Like, I still think changes are going to happen. You because know. Because this yep. isn't LeBron at his full capacity. Absolutely. He's still figuring out the team and figuring out how to actually work cohesively with that team. Um, and that's what I love about LeBron. It's like anybody that says, oh, Le- this is it. We've seen it. Yep. Like I'm calling it right now. It's like, guys, like you've if you've seen how LeBron is, you know what usually happens. He doesn't turn it on until trade, le- trade deadline Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, I mean, <laughs> people laugh when you hear LeBron is a GM, but... <laughs> Come on, man. He has that power. He basically is a GM. And so, you know, LeBron's going to make those moves to get the people that he wants. But really and truly, when I look at the Lakers right now, um, a player that stands out for me, Danny Green, right? He had an amazing performance opening night against the Clippers, right? Um, and really and truly, I think I think Dwight Howard's going to work out there. Yeah. I think Dwight Howard's going to work out in, in L.A. And Has he scored is, 10 points in a game yet? He scored 16. Oh, yeah. He, he had 16 he the other night. And um, he had 16 and... He had over, what was it, 13 boards, right? So I think Dwight Howard's going to work out. And really and truly, hey, man, like Dwight Howard has been quietly having a last good couple of years. His last year in, in Washington was not was not good at all. He had, a, he had a few off the court issues that we don't need to talk about. But his year, the year before in Charlotte, he was a good player for the yeah. Hornets, right? Dwight Howard is still a guy that can, that can come in and give you your 12 to, to 15 points, right? He can give you good boards. He can give you 10-plus rebounds a game. And he can have a defensive presence, right? I don't know why um, Dwight Howard's been overlooked last couple of years. Probably it's because, yeah, he's fallen off, right? The D-Rose effect, I like to call it. You know, when you go from being like a MVP caliber player to having your hard times out of nowhere. But Dwight Howard is a guy that can still give you good minutes. And I think, I think Dwight Howard's going to work out for the Lakers, especially with the fact that now he's with players that can make him look good. And I think now because he's on a team that's going to get a national spotlight, like, come on, playing for playing for the Wizards, playing for the Hornets, playing for, what was he? Charlotte. With? Char- yeah, so Hornets. And then the Hawks, he was, mm-hmm. with, he was with Atlanta before. Yeah. Those are teams that don't get national spotlights, okay? So he was, he was quietly having good seasons and nobody recognized it. Now he's playing on a team that's probably going to get 
the most publicity in the league. And you're going to see that he's actually a solid player still. He may not be MVP caliber Dwight three-time defensive looks, player. I like how he's not wearing his like traditional number two. Like he's just he just looks like a regular player. Oh, I mean he hasn't he hasn't earned that. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So he's I think Dwight's been fully humbled, right? He's had a he's had a, a really different outlook now in the game. And so it's forced him to really just change his approach and everything. He's he's a he's a humble guy and he's starting from the ground up. It's it's just all humble hustle. And at the at this point, he really just takes any opportunity that he can get and he tries to make you know, the best use of it. So sometimes you have to go through those trials and tribulations as an athlete to just kind of see see things in a different light and kind of really trying to make use of your full potential. So good luck to Dwight Howard. I don't know if he's listening. <laughs> One day. One day. But um I think he's gonna have a good year. So we'll we'll be surprised. Definitely not an all star obviously, but he's gonna be a solid a solid role player for the for the Lakers and don't is be surprised. There, is there one thing that you have seen from the first week of NBA that you can like determine as in like this is the this team is going to do much greater than I thought this team is going to do much worse than I thought this may be a popular pick I mean this may be so cliche to say but the Clippers right um what do they say coming into this year coming into this year many people thought it was Lakers Clippers Lakers Clippers and people actually gave Lakers the upper hand Right, and many people actually looked at the Clippers and said, "Hey, what are they going to do without Paul George to start the season? What are they going to do without Paul George? Paul George might not come back for the next. No one knows, probably four to five weeks, right? The Clippers are playing amazing right now. Defensively, they're shutting people down. Um, Kawhi, right now, this is the peak. I mean, it's too early to say, but I think he's going to have the best offensive year he's ever had. I think Kawhi Leonard's going to win MVP. If you How ask many me, does he play? I think he's going to play. I think he'll probably miss." Less than ten games. Wow! I think he's gonna miss less than ten games at most. That's, at most that's ten a games. Hot take. He what did he miss last year? Twenty two. Yeah. He's gonna miss. I think he's gonna miss ten games this year that's, at most. That's a hot take. I think he's yeah. I think he's gonna miss ten games and and the reason why is because I don't think he's gonna have to carry the load as much. Mm. Right. I mean, he he has a team right now that can offensively carry a load. Um, and when Paul George comes back, it's gonna be nice. It's gonna be beautiful. And and the fact that they're playing the way they are without Paul George right now, no one even remembers Paul George. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens when Paul George comes back and how dangerous the, the LA Clippers can be. Cut that shit. All right, so Emad, I know we're two weeks removed, but let me ask you, mm. how was your reading week? I was able to travel, just came back from England, uh, good time, saw a lot of people, but how was yours? I mean, it wasn't as exciting as that. I'm actually scared of planes. Really? Yeah. Well, I knew that, but like, <laughs> so I can't, we can't go on one of my trips. I don't know about that, man. I'm scared of planes. I'm scared of heights. I'm scared of everything. Is there like a universal highway? Like that goes around the entire world that we can take, probably? No. <laughs> we could take a ship, but how long do you think? I don't know how to drive. Do you know how to drive? Let's not talk about that. I mean, <laughs> let's not talk about that. Because I, I want to I take you on one of my trips. I'm going I'm to make it my New Year's resolution. We'll see, man. We'll see. That? We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to knock you out and put you on. Oh, <laughs> we'll see. But hey, um, my reading week was all right. I spent it actually watching uh, university football. Right. So actually, um, yeah, this past weekend was the playoffs. Yeah. Right, let's get some playoff talk. All right. Here we go. First game. We had Waterloo 
beating Ottawa um, to win their first playoff game in 20 years. Uh, so Waterloo is going to advance to the OUA semifinals to take on, guess who, guess who? Western. The Western Mustangs. This is the rematch that I think the entire country wants to see, Emad. But first off, let's talk about what you saw in the Ottawa game. What did you see in the Ottawa game from Waterloo? I saw a lot of Trey Ford passing and running that football like this guy was Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Trey Ford, uh, he took over in that game. And um, he really piled it up on the stats. He had over 130 yards rushing, which is, to be honest, at this point, is it's normal for Trey Ford. Yeah. Right? Um, what else did you see? When I saw when he ran the ball. The issue that I have with Trey Ford, I love when he runs, but he puts the ball way too low near his hip. And it's it's kind of, I kind of cringe every time I see him run. I'm like, please hold on to that football. Just run out of bounds. Please. Because I think, I, I think he might fumble in the next game. Because of how how he holds that ball. Like, Trey, if you're listening, can you just hold it closer to your chest? You know what? It's yeah. actually coincidental that you say that. Statistically, Trey Ford's only fumbled, from what I know, one time in the last three years. Mm. But the one time that he did fumble was last year, last season, his MVP year. Week 8 against Guelph. That game went to double overtime, and the Warriors had the ball to tie the game. And, hey, Guelph's D-line got to him, and... The ball was the ball coincidentally was just not secure and it fell out and that's how Guelph won the game. So Trey Ford's only fumbled once over the last three years, from what I know. Um, but I mean, definitely like he is he is a little too comfortable with that ball in his hand sometimes when he just take off. But I mean, don't you think it's just because he's a natural football player and he like, just feels comfortable? I know I know he's usually if not one of the fastest players on the field at the time, but there's blind spots and. You know, someone could always come from behind and, like, you know, tackle and pop that ball out. Or he might even, like, I saw Derrick Henry this weekend, might even hit the ball way too hard on his thigh and that ball pops out. You know, you never know what could happen on, on any given play. So I just, I don't know, I just, like, can can we just do that slight adjustment and just hold it at least closer to, like, you know, baby steps, hip, you know? Absolutely. Um, And you know what, to be honest, seeing Trey Ford over the last three years. Um, he really has grown a lot from his rookie year until now. I mean, this is his East-West year. Rookie year, he won Rookie of the Year, OUA Rookie of the Year, and Youth Sports Rookie of the Year. Um, second year, he won OUA MVP. And then this year, who knows what awards he's going to win. This probably is going to be his East-West year. I think he is a lock for East-West. That's not even a question. Yeah. But um, it's going to be interesting. This is his first This is his first true playoff test uh, since he got to Waterloo. Um, but really and truly, we talk about Trey Ford all the time, but a lot of people always forget about the rest of the Warriors' defense. What else did you see on, on, on Warriors' offense? That prolific offense? I saw Gordon Lamb and uh, Tyler Ternowski tear it up. I really do think Gordon Lamb is the best receiver in the game, at least in the OUA, sorry. You know what? I'll say this personally. Uh, Gordon Lamb, from a skill standpoint, from a skill standpoint, he is the best receiver in the country. His hands. If you, yeah, his hands, his hand, he, it's like he has glue on his hands. He does yeah. not, he does not drop balls. All right. He had one drop. Um, well, drop. he had one drop on the weekend. But, but that's a rare yeah. drop from Goran Lam. If you watch how Goran Lam runs his routes, um, the patience that he has, uh, the angles that he takes, he's almost like a technician. It's really seeing someone perfect their skill. If you are a high school student, you want to watch someone in the OUA, 
if you want to learn from them, you got to learn from Goran Lam. He's right now, in my opinion, is skill standpoint, the best receiver in the game. He plays bigger than his, his size. Like I saw when there was a, there's a bomb that Trey Ford sent him probably like 40 yards. It got called back on a penalty, but he was covered by two guys caught a bread basket. Yeah. Well, the thing about Goran Lam is this. I mean, he may not be the biggest guy, right? But this is the scary thing, right? He knows this. He's not a finished product yet. He has not reached his peak as a football player yet. And he knows this. I think over the last three years, this is also his East-West year, he's been slowly, slowly building himself up from an athletic standpoint, from a size standpoint. But he knows at the end of the day, hey, if you have the skill, nobody can beat you. All right. And, and at the end of the day, it's just scary to think about it because if this guy, if this is a guy that has not reached his full potential yet as a football player, he still has ways to go in terms of maybe getting bigger. Right. But let's 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 just put out there that size at the university level is not a huge factor. Size is more of a uh, more of a professional factor. Right. So he could be just be waiting until he gets that professional opportunity to put on some size from an athletic standpoint. Right. He may not always be the fastest guy, but hey, he's fast enough to burn someone, right? And he's fast enough to create separation between him and a DB, yeah. right? And then, yeah, like, well, that's skill factor, man. Like, watch him run his routes. He will start off some of his routes walking. He will start off some of his routes walking, right? And and the DB will get scared simply because they don't know what he's going to do because he's so creative. So Gordon Lam, in my opinion right now from a skill standpoint, best receiver in the country. But what about Tyler Tarnowski? What do you think? An aggressive guy that just you know wants that contact where i saw him on a play um in the game where uh trey Ford sent him like a 10 to 12 yard slant and he took it 30 yards after the catch and he had he broke away from the like after the catch he broke away from the defense and he saw a guy cutting down the field the db cutting down the field and he he didn't run away from he he attacked him and wanted that contact try to bring him into the end zone with him yeah um absolutely Tyler Tarnowski is, he's probably the most aggressive receiver I've I've probably seen in the last four years of uh, university football in Canada. This is a guy where, first of all, let's just let's just put out there, he's one of the most athletic receivers in the game. His his speed and explosiveness is is there. He has it. He can create separation between him and a DB. And just his cuts, everything, right? He his route running is where it needs to be. His running could get a little better, but honestly, at the end of the day, like from a skill standpoint, it's where it needs to be. But after the catch is where Tyler Tanowski will kill you. Um, he is the type of guy that'll catch the ball, and he's gonna look for contact. He wants to truck somebody. He wants to. He put, wants that smoke. He wants to put a DB on their back, yeah. and that's that's kind of not common in the OUA. You don't have a lot of receivers that come across that, and so for a DB that plays in a league where receivers shy away from contact, to have a guy that is willing to run head down, straight at you, put on his shoulder and try to put you down, that's that's uncommon. That's unheard of. So Tyler Tarnowski is a different breed. From an athletic standpoint, one of the most athletic receivers I've seen, probably one of the most athletic receivers in the country. Looking at Waterloo's receiving core of those two, um, I could definitely tell you from now, one of the statistically best receiver duos of the decade in this country. The only the only receiver duo that can compare is Curly Guinness Jr. and Brenton Hall. But, you know, it's their time now, and it's time to see what Waterloo can do um, now that, you know, they're finally, you know, they're defeating their playoff humps and they've, they've taken that next step and win that first game. But I think the biggest key about Waterloo is their defense. 
the what defense. You, what do you think about that defense? See, I focused mostly on the backfield mm-hmm. while they where they had uh, Tyrell Ford playing, and he shut down Matheson yep. against Ottawa. And what I what I saw is that when he had he had an injury late in the second quarter, but he came back from it. But when he came out, there was like a huge hole in that backfield defense, and Ottawa was able to push run down the field, not run down, push down the field. Sorry, and you know Jupiter Dean was able to step up. He had two picks in that game. One was called back on a penalty, but this guy's a ball hawk, and you know if, if they can get both Tyrell Ford and Jupiter Dean playing at their best next weekend, you never know. I uh. Hold on, you making a prediction? No, let's wait. Let let's save the predictions. But um, I'm gonna say this though, Waterloo's defense, from what I've seen, from what we've seen, individually, they have a lot of great football players on that defense. All right, at the starting spots. All right, um, you kind of just touched on this. That defense lacks depth. So if somebody goes down, the worry becomes when someone comes in, um, as a sub. Right, they they don't have a lot of depth. It's interesting, right? To to because normally you have depth in the OUA, but um, this year it seems like the Warriors' depth compared to recent years, especially at DB, is a little different. I know they lost a couple of DBs this year. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys decide to you know step away from the team and stuff like that, or even graduate. But um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, especially a linebacker too. They're missing Jack Kinsberger, who basically tore his ACL this year, and so the linebacker depth is, is kind of interesting. They have a couple rookies playing at that spot. All linebacker spots. So it's going to be interesting to see how Waterloo fares this weekend against Western. But I want to say one thing. When it comes to Waterloo and this playoff run, I firmly believe that this is their last chance to make a run at the Yates Cup. I think this is their last chance to make a run at the Yates Cup. Um, If you look at it, they had a great team this year, and they came back this year with an, an even better team. In the eyes of some people, some people say last year's team was better, but really and truly, I just don't see where the team is going to go next year in terms of just talent. You have so many guys that could be leaving. You have a lot of graduating people that could be leaving. You have Joshua Brown on the D-line who's going to be leaving. Tyler Turnowski might get, he's probably going to get drafted. Um, did you see the game that Curtis Gray had on the weekend? This guy had a pick six, 75 yards to the house. Yeah. He had two sacks and 3.5 tackles in a playoff game. Why can't he get drafted? Mike Reed amazing linebacker, athletic, puts it all on the line. And he's known for hurdling the, the O&D line. Like this guy, this is a guy that hurdles the O&D line on a regular basis. Why can't he get drafted, right? Um, Lau Frecha, right, in his fifth year, he's stepping away. He's probably going to get picked up by a team. He's had an amazing year, right? So when it comes to Waterloo, they're losing a lot of key guys. Um, and I truly just believe that this could be their last great chance at, at making a Yates Cup run. And it's kind of unfortunate because this is kind of like the peak that they've reached in the Chris Pertoya era. But I truly do believe with how t- the timing is and the people that will be departing, this could be the last great the great chance that they have. See, so. this is why I think big things could happen this weekend against Western. Because these guys want it or should want it because they're in, their, they're in a, a big year for them, for each individual. And it could be the last year that Waterloo could, has this opportunity. Absolutely. Um, I think, that, yeah, they know this is it for a lot of guys. I mean, you have a lot of people returning. Obviously, you have Gordon Lamb, who's going to do the same thing again next year, probably have an even better year next year. He's probably going to be all Canadian this year. I mean, of course, Trey Ford, of course, Tyrell Ford. Even look at Dion Pellerin. He's in his fourth year, and he just 
he just had an amazing year. Why can't he get a, a, a pro opportunity? Right? Second most rushing yards in the That's what I'm saying. In Canada. He, he's going to get a, a combine invite. Brandon Metz. Who knows? Right? So we talked about the Warriors. What about Western? <laughs> Western is... <laughs> they're rested. They're, they're well rested. I, In my opinion, they've been planning for this game for the last probably a month. They knew they would meet Waterloo in the playoffs. And after that first Can't game... Can't wait for matchup number two. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. The, if you saw the first game, um, if you missed the first game, it went down to the wire. And if you missed the first game, just so you know, the score may say that Western won, but Waterloo had Western beat in that final minute. And just a few mistakes, a few mistakes here and there gave Western an opportunity to win the game. And it took, it. listen, all I have to say is this. In that final minute of that first Waterloo-Western matchup, it took a conversion on third and 16 from Chris Merchant. It took two field goals, and it took a fumble, all right, for Western to win that game, all right? So it was third and 16 conversion, field goal, fumble, and then another field goal So I should believe in miracles, is what I'm saying. The football gods were on Western's side that day, and they know that. They know that. So... Um, going to this next matchup, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. This is the matchup that the, the country wanted to see again, right? We want to see this again. Football fans want to see this again. So it's going to be something it's, special. See, it's stuff like that. I'm going to drop my prediction. It's stuff like that that makes me think that Waterloo is going to take this game. Waterloo has the – if they stay aggressive like they did in the last game, um, if they don't have big mistakes, and if they just – you know, do what they did last game against the West, against Western, they could take it. And I, I, I want to believe that Waterloo takes this game 35-32. Wow. Just so you know, Western has not lost an OUA game since 2016. So are you firmly standing with Waterloo on this one, Emad? Yeah. You know what? No hesitation. Waterloo has shown that they have the potential to, to go toe-to-toe with Western. So I'm just excited to see what is going to happen this weekend in the second matchup. I want to see what adjustments can be made. And more importantly, I want to see what creativity Waterloo brings to the table because Western knows what you can do on your best day. So now what are you going to do different, differently that Western has not seen before? You just need Dion to have that same game as he did against Western with three TDs. If, if, he, if they can control the game, they should win this game. Listen, Dion had an amazing season, and at one point he was the front runner for OUA MVP not to take away from what he did this season. He's still an amazing season. He's probably gonna, you're probably going to see him in the, the regional combine this year. Um, but if he can have another amazing game this year, I mean, I mean on Saturday <laughs> against Western, then, hey, it's going to be something special. So if you can go to the game, make sure you head out there. If you go to University of Waterloo, I know they're doing the fan bus down there for $18. Try to get your ticket. And um, if you go to Western, it's free. I'm pretty sure it's free to get in. I don't know. Is it free? I know OUA games might be, might be a little... Um, more expensive on the... So that's game of the week. That's game of the week. What's the other game? We got Guelph traveling to McMaster. So we got the number three seed taking on the number two seed. But here we go now. I mean, Mac may be the second seed and Guelph may be the third seed. But these are two teams that both finished six and two, right? The only reason why uh, there's a seeding difference right there and Guelph has the upper hand is because... I mean, well, McMaster has the upper hand is because McMaster beat Guelph earlier in the season, okay? So that was one of Guelph's two losses. So really and truly looking into this game, coming into this game, I think it's going to be a defensive affair. Guelph has the number one defense in the OUA, plain and simple. McMaster has the number four defense in the OUA, plain and simple. These are two defensive-heavy teams, all right? When you look at Guelph's defense, they have some stars on their defense, 
All right, they got Ellen McKenda, they got Kosi Onyeka, right? They got Robinson, they got um, Jason Richards. It's gonna be special. So really and truly, when you look at Guelph's defense, I'm excited to see what they can do this weekend. And um, when when you look at really and truly, when you look at McMaster, their thing is gonna be running the ball. They need to run the ball. They need to put the ball on the ground. They need to give it to Justice Allen. They need to give it to Jordan Lyons, uh, because those are the guys that can really push forward that defense. McMaster hasn't really had much of a passing offense this year. So it's going to be interesting to see really and truly how this game goes. I think it's going to be a defensive affair. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Honestly, I probably see Guelph taking this one 21-18, right? So, Ooh. yeah, I see Guelph taking this one 21-18. So both by teams we are predicting to not win. Yes. I'm. Well, you're predicting Western to win. Yeah. Or Waterloo to win. win. I'm predicting Guelph to win. So... Yeah, I guess the way we see it, the Yates Cup just might be taking place in Guelph this year, and it just it might be a rematch of. We're going to, are we going to Yates? I don't know, maybe, maybe, but it's gonna be if it's a rematch of the Guelph and Waterloo game from last year, it, it might be something special. So it'll be cool. It'll be cool. But please, if you can catch both games this weekend, OUA TV. Uh, trust me, you won't want to miss it. You won't regret it. And if you can come out to those games, if you go to McMaster or if you go to Guelph or if you go to Waterloo or Western, um, try to get out to those games and and. Really just enjoy it because it's, it's special. Awesome. So, Emad, what do you have to say about this episode of the Persevere Podcast? I think we're still going. You think we're, we're, still still, going? we're still growing strong. I think it was better than the last one. Yeah, it's fun in the beginning. It was Absolutely. fun conversations all the way through. Um, I can't wait for the next one to come out. We got lots of stuff going on. What is, what's our next step? To be honest, I think we're just going to keep growing with this podcast. I mean... It's 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 ha- it's fun. We love talking about sports, and man, we got a lot of listeners in the last podcast. So thank you so much to all listeners. We thank really you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate your support. Honestly, our next step, we're working on merchandise, and we're excited about merchandise. So we wanna we wanna get it, get it. Yeah, we wanna roll out some merchandise soon. So please stay tuned for that. Um, you know, follow us on the IG page if you haven't already at Persevere underscore. Uh, we got Twitter going That's on. That's P-R-S-V-R-E yep. underscore. If you're a Twitter person, I know there's some Twitter people out there still. Um, please follow us on Twitter at Persevere1 because, you know, we're the only one Persevere out there. Um, and, yeah, just keep looking out. We're going to be putting out some amazing productions. Um, this podcast is hopefully going to be available on Spotify, hopefully Apple Podcasts. Uh, I just wanted to swear. Can yeah, I? Yeah, Apple. Apple. Apple's giving us hey some problems. Apple. I hate it. Hey Apple, please approve the podcast so we can get it up. And then we got a YouTube channel in the in the making. So uh, check out our YouTube channel as well. All right. So, Emad, I think that's a wrap. That is, it's a wrap. Thank you for listening. We appreciate your support. Keep striving. Keep achieving. Keep persevering. Have a wonderful day. <laughs>